Okay, we're here uh, by the Centre of Mathematical Sciences Christmas Tree, um, talking to Chris Budd, who's been at a conference here at Cambridge about um, big data. Chris, can you tell us what conference you've been to? Sure. So, to put you in context, the Alan Turing Institute has been founded by the government with substantial grants to look into the mathematical aspects and applications of big data. And as a kind of um, run-up to the uh, Institute really starting in earnest, they're having a series of scoping workshops to look at different aspects of um, big data. So this is the second of these scoping workshops that I have attended, and the context of this one is the relationship between big data and models um, in terms of partial differential equations. So there are people from many different uh, areas of application um, here, um, all of whom are united by the fact that they have partial differential equation models and the models are both informed and inform um, big data. Um, so, I uh, say so that both mathematicians, computer scientists, but here, people here from application areas, uh, including the police, uh, are all here. And your your background and your um, experience that you're bringing to this is you do a lot of meteorological modelling, which requires partial differential equations and that, lots that's of data. correct. So, um, I work in developing models for the weather, um, which typically boil down to uh, problems with about a billion degrees of freedom. And these are informed by data which you gather on six-hour intervals, and typically you'd have about a million amounts of data to, to inform your models. Um, and then you combine the models with the data to produce a weather forecast. And what has been, um, so there's lots of different uh, examples of the use of big data um, at the conference you're attending. What's been some of the most surprising examples that you've seen? Well, I suppose for me, the, uh, because my own background is in the physical sciences, the, the areas which I find most surprising uh, or new to me are, are those in the social sciences. So there have been in particular two talks which have really um, struck me. Um, one was um, to do with, with riots um, and how data is, is used to um, understand what's going on in a riot and maybe to be able to predict uh, the future um, evolution of, of a riot. Um, so that, that was a very interesting talk. And that was based on, um, some of that was based on data from the 2012, 2011 riots? So there were two, two sets of data that we used. The, uh, one was the 2005 riots in France, and then the other was the 2011 riots in the UK. Um, and the, the, we looked at models of both, but the, I suppose the main model that, that was uh, presented was, was of the, the French riots in 2005. And from your perspective, I mean, what what do you think some of the, the strengths about... So obviously big data is now being recognised as... It's obviously been used in the physical sciences yes. for a long time. But um, do you see its use spreading and do you see a, a greater awareness and greater sort of knowledge of how to use it? Uh, I think this, this is exactly what this meeting is about. So... Um, 
you're, you're quite correct to say meteorology, we, we're, we're quite used to large data sets. Um, but these are data sets informing um, or being informed by models of the physical processes, which are reasonably well understood. Um, you know, we know what the laws of physics are. Um, however, the huge majority of data that we are now um, kind of being aware of is social data. It's data coming from the internet or from um, Facebook, for example. Um, and so it's vast amounts of really much less clearly defined data, much much harder to kind of classify data. Um, and, and this data is also related to people um, and social sciences where the models are hardly understood. And in fact, um, the models are themselves being created as we try to interpret the data. So it's a very different kind of process from the physical processes where we know what the um, models are and the data is pretty clear it's just an awful lot of it. Um, moving into this kind of social science area where um, the models are much less clear and the, and the data is vast and much less well defined. Are there any examples of um, models that are you know, pretty well understood from other areas of science that are now being applied in social science settings? Well, the, the, one of the key, um, key models that is being used is, is studying networks. So um, a lot of data to do deals with how objects are relating to each other, um, and that can be expressed using a network. And networks have been around for some time, and they've been used in the biological sciences to study disease, for example. And now people are taking over these kind of general models and are using them in, in more in the social science context. So the the kind of analysis that was being presented about the riots, which I found so interesting, um, was using disease type models from social from the biological sciences. Um, so um, that's one area. But what another thing that's really kind of wonderful um, is the ideas which have been for a long time regarded as pure mathematics and are suddenly finding massive applications in the study of big data. I find this incredibly exciting and really uh, really, uh, really interesting and powerful. So what's, it, what's an example of that? Well, I'll give you two examples. Um, there's a branch of maths called persistent homology, which sounds wonderfully pure, <laughs> and is an algebraic topology. But, but this is what, what is, we're using now to understand... Um, and, and classify images um, and of course the majority of the data on, on the internet, on Facebook for example is in the form of people's pictures um, so persistent homology helps you say what's in the picture so that's one example um, another example is a part of a mathematical analysis which is called the P-Laplacian which looks very abstract in me too um, it's to do with partial differential equations uh, and yet the P-Laplacian suddenly finds hugely useful applications again in the study of images in um, segmenting images looking for objects in images reducing the noise in images mm, that's very interesting and one of the things you told me about that I'm personally very interested in as I'm about to fly somewhere <laughs> Uh, for yeah. Christmas, um, you were talking about Bernard Silverman from the Home Office was talking yes. about an analysis of all the data gathered at immigration desks and yes. how they're analysing that. So Bernard Silverman, who's Chief Scientific Advisor to the Home Office, uh, gave a fantastically good talk about the way big data is used 
um, by the Home Office. Um, and one of the illustrations he gave was uh, data coming in from uh, immigration. So these are, you know, lots and lots of people coming to our airports every day. And so there's lots of data about people coming into airports and moving around. And that data is now being used to inform the way that the immigration um, processing should be done so that, to be honest, simply put, that you have enough immigration officers present at the time to process the number of people coming in on the flights from uh, America or Asia or whatever. So that hopefully, maybe in a few years, when big data is being fully used in that situation we won't have such long queues at the end well let's hope not yes. <laughs> right thank you very much Chris. thank you